following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Michael Graff Show. Hello, how come I rich and you not? How come you not sell real estate like I do? How come I sleep with your wife while you at work and then I pee in your toilet and don't flush? And sometimes I open the back part and I pee in there so that when you flush, pee come out. You know why? Because I'm smart. I'm smart, you stupid. Michael Graff. We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. Okay, okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present, yeah? That's right. One in ten support D's nuts for present. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Hey, that's just a regular unattractive guy who's not famous. Michael Groff. If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. And you're an idiot. Ah! At the tone, the time will be 26 Railroad. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, that's what gay is? Oh, yeah, I could totally get into that. The following program is in the hands of a guy whose professional and personal lives are about as depressing as the idea of Donald Trump with access to the nuclear codes. From his exile in the urban desert, it's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Produced and scarcely listened to Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on the air once again for a Friday. It is July 6, 2018, and I guess I should say Happy New Year. <laughs> That's the first show that I've produced here in 2018, so I guess that is the appropriate thing to say, is it not? Yeah, the last time I did a show was for the 20 Worst Songs of 2017, and before that, I think it was in October, and we were doing our experiment with the video cast, which went so well, I haven't been here for eight months or nine months. I've been put in copyright jail since then. Yeah, we probably won't be doing video casts anytime soon, as uh, that's a nightmare logistically if you ever want to try and make money off of it. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, well, more on that uh, coming up eventually. We'll probably get into the whole rant about that. I really want to talk about the whole production of podcasts and video casts and all that kind of stuff down the road. I just don't want to do it right now because, hey, it's the first time we've talked in all this time. And, you know, it's weird. There's so much that's changed, and yet everything is still kind of the same. And that is in a complete state of chaos and for somebody that does a talk show or is in news and commentary or a stand-up comedian or anybody that's in the content creative business right now, this has got to be the golden age, right? Uh, it's anything but that for the rest of the world or for the United States in general, like from an economic standpoint very soon, from a uh, political standpoint, from a an embarrassment standpoint, from a diplomatic standpoint. It's got to be anything but the golden age right now. But really, that's... That's gold for everybody else. When I sat down to start kind of thinking over things to get into on the show, you know, I start doing show prep and then I, I kind of start writing some stuff down, just scratching stuff on a piece of paper. I stopped writing at 40 things because there's no way I'm going to get to even half of these on this show unless this was a five hour show. There's no way I'm going to get to half of them. And you know how this show goes anyway. We always start with the best of intentions. We have a well-meaning focus and purpose here. And then we just go off the rails. And maybe we come back to the road from which we started. And probably we don't. And that's just the way it is. It's a very stream of consciousness show. 
But just looking at the things that have happened today alone, I, I guess it's great that we have decided to start a trade war imposing tariffs on our arch rivals, the Canadians and the Chinese, among others. And, uh, you know, this great economy that we have going on right now that, of course, Trump is taking full credit for. He's out there trumpeting just how great everything is. Oh, it's going wonderful. Jobs, job growth. Once again, great job numbers out today. There are actually good job numbers out today. We added another 215,000 jobs in the month of June. But all the great numbers and all the positive economic indicators that are out there are about to come to a crashing halt with a trade war. And I know that there's a lot of people out there, and I've been reading the comments and the sentiments about uh, the trade war with Canada. Oh, what? So we're going to have to pay more money for maple syrup, Molson Ice, and Labatt. Who the hell cares? Or, and milk in a bag. Big deal. It's, it is a big deal because what you may not realize is we get a lot of things like lumber from Canada. So one of the consequences uh, that they're saying now is that home prices, which are already soaring, going to astronomical levels... Uh, are going to go up by an average of about $9,000 uh, because there is going to be a tariff on Canadian lumber. Because, as is going to be a theme of this discussion, we are not a nation of producers anymore. We're a nation of consumers. And that's the least of our problems. Uh, maybe a trade war with Canada wouldn't be so bad, but a trade war with China, who is basically our biggest trade partner, and a place from which we get a lot of our goods and from which we outsource a lot of our business and we bring in a lot of parts and supplies from China, that's going to hurt a whole lot. And um, boy, if I ever wanted to upgrade the studio, I better hurry up and do it if I ever want to buy some new equipment because as I look around here, almost nothing in this room is American. I don't think there's anything in here that's made in the USA. There might be stuff in here that's assembled in the United States, but I don't think any of it. Like, for example, uh, just this thermometer over here with the outside sensor, that, that's made in Japan. Uh, some of this equipment is made in Germany. Some of it's Japan. Some of it's China. I think the one of the monitors is assembled in the U.S., but all the boards, all the circuits inside, all that stuff, is uh, that's all done in, in Korea or China or Japan. I don't even know. Uh, I have a Yamaha keyboard, that's Japanese. Another Yamaha, that's Japanese. Korg is German and Japanese and whatever. So yeah, everything in here. Uh, the microphone I'm using, I, I think, um, and I'm not sure about that, but I think the microphone I use is made in China, the Electro Voice RE20. I, I'm not sure about that. I haven't researched it, but it's got to be. It, chances are. Uh, this mic processor I'm using, this is, uh, it's probably made in America because it sucks and it, it barely works anymore. So we're a nation of consumers. And because we're a nation of consumers, it means we rely on foreign markets. And if we get in a trade war, uh, it means the price of everything going up. Like, for example, the, the price of a Toyota Camry. Uh, there's a story out here that that's going to go up about $2,000 as a result of this uh, trade war. Well, who cares? I'll just, I'll buy American. I'll show you. I'll buy a Ford. I'll buy a Chevy. Yeah, guess where all those parts come from, genius? Do you think we make all that stuff here? Yeah, again, some assembly may happen here. Sure. But a lot of those factories in Detroit, you know why Detroit is run down and dilapidated and people live in those uh, old abandoned buildings? Guess what those old abandoned buildings used to be? Factories. Yeah, we uh, the Motor City isn't really the Motor City so much anymore. 
And Honda, yeah, they have plants here in the U.S. And they get all those parts. They come in from Japan. And they come in from China. And they come in from Mexico. And so imposing tariffs just means we spend more. And those companies, they're not going to eat all that. Of course, it's all going to get passed along to the consumer. So get ready for prices going up and get ready for... um, Get ready for an economic downturn. And I was just thinking about this today. If I'm a Democrat right now that's running for Congress, or if I'm a Democrat political strategist, I actually probably don't want the Democrats to win in November. And I'll tell you why. Because with these tariffs going in, the economy is going to start to turn real fast. I mean, gas prices are already going up. They're going to skyrocket. But with the with the tariffs going in, this economy is going to just do a, a, a swift 180. It's going to go into nosedive here very soon. And it's probably going to happen within the next year or two. And if you're a Democrat in Congress, you're going to get the blame for it because right now it's a Republican-controlled Congress. A lot of people believe that the Democrats will storm Congress in November. I'm not so sure about that, but they they could. And if that happens... That'll be the one thing that changes. And if the economy goes in the toilet, even though it's pretty much Trump's fault right now, uh, the Democrats will get the blame because, yeah, see, they were the one. They came in and that economy just took a big old dump. I tell you, it's them lefties. And so if I'm a Democrat strategist right now, I don't want the Democrats in there. And if I'm a Republican strategist, I'd probably want the Democrats to get in because they're thinking, hey, you know, this economy is going to go in the toilet because I mean, Even, I don't know, Trump supporters aside, okay, anybody with common sense right now has to know that this is bad for the economy. If this happened 50 years ago, if we were doing tariffs 50 years ago, probably wouldn't be a big deal because we were a producing nation. You know, we were not a big importer. Now we are. You know, that's pretty much all we do. I mean, hell, our our call centers, our goddamn call centers are in India and the Philippines and China. I mean, they're anywhere but here. So you have to know that this is going to affect us badly. I'm sure the Trump supporters don't, but I mean, there are there are certainly Republicans that are against this. What's weird is, and I know I'm trying to get into the mind of the Trump supporters, but what's weird is a lot of these Trump supporters were Tea Party people, and they were these, um, you know, back to hardcore conservative values and back to hardcore fiscal conservative ideals. And conservative ideals were against tariffs. In fact, for the most part, the left and right can agree that tariffs are not always... But in general, they're not good for an economy, especially an economy that's going pretty well right now. Unemployment, I did see that it ticked up to 4%. It was 3.8, but we added more jobs. It's kind of a, you know, the unemployment number itself is always a weird statistic because it calculates people that are on the unemployment dole. But then as soon as you fall off, whether you found a new job or not, you're not counted on the rolls. So it's always a, a weird statistic. I don't like it when people use that as the sole basis. I'm, I, I look at, are we adding jobs or not? How many total people in the United States are employed? And apparently it's a record number. It's over 155 million people are employed. Now, it doesn't say the quality of employment, full-time, part-time, whatever, but it does say that 155 million and change are employed in the United States, which is a record. 
And of course, Trump's going to be out there touting that uh, as he's also talking about how great his tariffs are. Yeah, it's really great. It's great that we're putting all these tariffs on our allies. It's really going to do a lot for diplomacy. I don't really care what their opinion is of me, quite frankly. Quite frankly, I'm the best businessman ever. I'm doing a great job right now. He thinks he is. He does. He's out there. Listen, we're, we have tremendous tariffs. We have a, a tremendous trade debt. It, it's really a bad debt. We've made bad deals. Believe me, I know bad deals. And we've been making them. And this is how we're going to counteract them. And of course, China isn't going to take it lying down. They're putting tariffs on us. And that's... Now, this trade war, it's going to hurt both sides. Don't get me wrong. It's going to hurt everybody. It's going to hurt Canada. It's going to hurt China. It's going to hurt the United States. But it's going to hurt us the most here in the U.S. Canada, of course, they, they buy American goods. It's going to hurt them, but not nearly as much as it will us. So that's the new Trump plan. I hope you're ready for it. Get ready to pay a lot more for, um, well, for everything, basically. Uh, it's very weird, this whole political landscape that we're in right now, because as I do this show, I know that there are going to be some of you that listen that probably think that I have become a liberal. I know that because when I talk to some of my friends, they think I've become kind of liberal. And I really have just sat here. I might have shifted a little to the left over the last 10 years, but I think I'm just kind of right in the middle. But a lot of the country has just been shifting radically one way or the other to the point where I don't even talk politics with people anymore. This is one of those revolutionary things. It's one of those epiphanies that I've had over the last few years. And I, I find that as I've gone through my mid, late 30s and up to 40 now, that I am actually quite a bit happier than I used to be in some regards. And one of them is I don't sit and talk politics with a lot of people anymore. Yeah, a few friends and maybe my brother, and that's about it. Once in a while, maybe my mom or something. But I just don't talk politics with people because for the most part, they are irrational or they are just stuck in their ways. They're very stubborn. People are not going to change their mind. And really, I used to go out to restaurants or bars if I was out there just hanging out like at a bar, just having a drink or something. Yeah, I'd get into political discussions with people. And nowadays, you just can't do that. I mean, we have become very radical very quickly. And it's hard to do that anymore. You're really playing Russian roulette. Yeah, you could run into a reasonable person, but the chances of that are a lot less than they used to be. And I just find it's just not worth the stress. Um, who are you, whose mind are you really going to change about this stuff? I mean, if you're listening to this show right now, there's a very good chance that you either agree with me or at least you're reasonable enough to understand where I'm coming from on a topic to where, and I, I know there's probably emails that would definitely say otherwise to this. I'm sure I will get them. But for the most part, it's either agreeable or reasonably able to disagree. But that's just not the case in general anymore, especially not on social media or out in the real world, I guess. Um, and I think part of it, too, is I just don't care as much anymore. I have just let go of a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's not that I don't care about any issues. I certainly am still passionate about certain things, and I still want to see some things changing, uh, which is another big problem that I have with talking to people, which I'll get into in a second. But um, I just kind of don't care as much about a lot of stuff. I know that there's just things that you got to laugh about, and you've just got to learn to have a sense of humor about things and laugh some, some things off and find the humor in it. 
it's hard to do that. I understand that. I understand with, with the president and, and with a lot of the stuff that's going on in Washington and the political climate being what it is and people being kind of radical right now, it's very hard to do that. And it may even seem kind of insensitive to do that, but if you don't, you're going to go insane or you're going to get lost in it. And that's just not healthy. It's not healthy to get completely depressed by everything that you see on TV. And you can't just immerse yourself in this 24-7. And I used to do that. I used to be in this. I used to immerse myself in, in news and politics. And man, some of my old shows, I mean, I would just scream and yell about some of this stuff. And I, I look at that now and I just think, man, that's just not worth it. Pick your battles. And I think as you get older, I think that's, uh, that's something that you also learn. But circling back, the thing that gets me still to this day is the people that are out there talking about how they want things to change. They're tired of the Trump administration or they're tired of the liberals or they're tired of the whatevers. You know, they're just tired of the way things are. And then they'll go on a post and you'll say, well, why don't you go out and do something about it? Why don't you start voting for this or that or stop voting for the same two parties? They'll say, no, you, that you, whether you like it or not, you have to vote for the Republicans or Democrats. You know, you got to do that because it's a two party system. Like it or not, this is the way it is. Nothing's going to change that. You're right. With that attitude, you are absolutely right. And you know what? With that attitude in mind, you deserve what you get. You deserve Trump. If that's the attitude you're going to take, then you deserve Trump, you deserve Hillary, you deserve the garbage that you keep getting. If you're not willing to to take everybody that's in Congress right now and just say, you know what, uh, the midterms are coming up, everybody in the House goes bye-bye. That's the message I'm screaming. If you really want to change things and if you really want to send a message, that would be the message to send. Get rid of everybody that's in the House right now. You have the ability to do it in November. You have the ability to get rid of everybody because everybody in the House is up for re-election. If that's really the message, oh, you can't do that. It's impossible. You can't. You're right. It's the old adage. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. As much as I have become more relaxed and more chill on a lot of things, um, that is still one thing that will just get me every time. The whole... Uh, yeah, you, you can't, uh, the two party system, you're never going to be able to change it. Third parties don't stand a chance. The way, you're right. The way it's constructed, they don't. And that's why what you have to do is you have to vote in. You just have to, in mass, you have to get out there and organize people. You start on a local level, you get to the state level, and then you go for the federal level. You can't just do it all at once. No, but you, you could take it back. It is possible. You know, the duopoly that the Republicans and Democrats have can be overdone. Look, other countries have done it. Australia, for example, they have multiple parties. And look, I realize the Liberal and Labor Party are still the dominant features there. But, you know, they're imagine imagine if we just had, let's say, three members of the Green Party in the Senate, three out of 100. OK, that would be game changing. Imagine if we had 20 libertarians in the House. I'm not saying you have to have 300. I'm saying even a few, because Republicans and Democrats, it's, it's pretty close, and it's going to get closer uh, in these midterms, in my opinion. Um, imagine if you just had a few of another party in there. That would just nudge the door open a little bit, and slowly but surely, you'd get a foothold of third parties in there. And sooner or later, the duopoly, they'd have to let them in or it, it, they wouldn't really have a choice anymore. That's what I'm saying. That's 
you know, you're not going to take it all back overnight. You're not going to change it all overnight, but you could certainly send a message. And just like that, that's how we get off track on this show. It's well-meaning, well-intended focus, and then it just derails completely. So um, just getting back to some of the Trump stuff, and I know some of you probably have fatigue with news and stuff, as I do too, but I mean, some of this is just absolutely insane. Again, I don't know how you can't possibly make good material out of some of this. So Donald Trump is in Great Falls, Montana last night. Now, why the hell was he there? Well... He's having a campaign rally for Matt Rosendale, who's the Republican running, I guess, for Senate up there, against John Tester. And you know it's bad for the Republicans if Donald Trump has to go to Montana. I mean, can you imagine a Republican not winning Montana? That seems odd. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but seems like a pretty red state, pretty safe place for Republicans. It's hard to imagine that he needed to go up there. But anyway, he does. And then... He has some really odd remarks about, well, a lot of things. First of all, he takes a shot at Elizabeth Warren. Here's a clip of that. And this is just puzzling. Now, first of all, Elizabeth Warren, you know, she's been one of Donald Trump's more outspoken critics, of course. And yeah, she's on the other side of the aisle. And yeah, maybe she says things that I have not agreed with. And, you know, we may not uh, be in perfect uh, harmony politically. But what's with calling her Pocahontas all the time? And what's with all that? And then, well, here, I'm just going to play the clip for you. This should speak for itself. She of the great tribal heritage. What tribe is it? Uh, let me think about that one. <laughs> Meantime, she's based her life on being a minority. Pocahontas. They always want me to apologize for saying it. And I hereby... Oh, no, I want to apologize. I'll use tonight. Pocahontas, I apologize to you. I apologize. To you, what I apologize. What a douche. To the, to the fake Pocahontas, I won't apologize. No, it's causing her problems. You know, that name's good. Because now even the liberals are saying, take a test. Take a test. You know, the, I, tell you, I, I shouldn't tell you because I like not to give away secrets. But this one. Let's say I'm debating Pocahontas, right? I promise you I'll do this. I will take, you know those little kits they sell on television for $2? Learn your heritage. Guy says, I was born in Scotland. It turns out he was born in Puerto Rico, and that's okay. Puerto Rico, you mean that place that you didn't want to help after the hurricane? They're born in Puerto Rico, that's okay. It's a shithole country. It's not a country, it's a territory of the U.S. Oh, it's, they think they're part of the U.S. right now, like they expect us to help them or something. What? They're surrounded by big water, deep water, ocean water, like... Why do they expect us to help them? What have they done for us, really, Puerto Ricans? They're not even Americans. They actually are, Don. Oh, well, how about that? Uh, whatever. Uh, this guy. That's okay. That's okay if they're born. Anyway, I'm continuing with this. Born in Germany. Well, he wasn't born in Germany. He was born someplace else. I'm going to get one of those little kids. And in the middle of the debate, when she proclaims that she's of Indian heritage... Because her mother said she has high cheekbones. Indian heritage. You know, not Native American. Indian. Indian heritage. Yes. Okay. That's her only evidence that her <laughs> mother said she had high cheekbones. We will take that little kit and say, but we have to do it gently. Because we're in the Me Too generation, so we have to be very gentle. Uh. And we will very gently take that kit 
and we will slowly wait wait hold on a second did did he just advocate that we gently and slowly rape elizabeth warren to find out her heritage because i, I mean he said it's the me too generation so we have to do this very gently uh, to acquire her dna so that we can find out her heritage which in and of itself is just insane i mean you know but what what would you expect from the show me your papers guy um is is he actually advocating that we slowly and gently rape Elizabeth Warren to extract her? I don't know how I missed that the first time I listened to this clip. I was pulling this for the show, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I was kind of half asleep when I did this. I can't believe I just heard. I, I know I'm laughing, and it probably sounds like I'm a dick, but I, I can't believe I'm hearing the president of the United States of America actually advocating that. My goodness. Hold on. I got to play this again. I'm sorry. I'm going to just have to do this. I okay, have to You know to those this. little kits they sell on television for $2? And in the middle of the debate, when she proclaims that she's of Indian heritage because her mother said she has high cheekbones. That's her only evidence that her mother said she had high cheekbones. We will take that little kit and say, but we have to do it gently. Because we're in the Me Too generation, so we have to be very gentle. Yes, we have to be very gentle. I will very, very gently, in the middle of the debate, gently, bigly, grab her right by the puss. Because it's the Me Too generation. So uh, it's going to be a great rape debate right there. But it'll be very gentle, of course. And then I'll have her show me her birth certificate while I'm gently raping her on stage during the debate. A big rape, a tremendous rape. And we'll find out what her DNA is, whether or not she came to this country legally. If she did not, I'll put her children in cages. As you know, I like to do that. I put children in cages. I don't want to do it. I, I didn't uh, sign up for it. It's a Democrat policy just following it. Actually, I signed an executive order. I got rid of it, but it's coming back, you know, just because Pocahontas has made me upset. So I will make her this deal. I'll give her a million dollars to her charity, whatever, whatever she wants. But uh, she's got to do this right there on the debate. Got to get raped in a debate. That's, that's the only way you're going to be able to beat Trump is to get raped by him. Trust me, Stormy Daniels made the same deal with me. People in the audience were laughing. They know I'm funny. They know what funny is. Quite frankly, I'm one of the best comedians as well. I am an entertainer after all. A huge entertainer. I've got a lot of entertainment within me. More entertainment in my pinky than Jerry Seinfeld has in his giant Jewish head. Quite frankly, I am the George Carlin of this generation. George Carlin couldn't even hold a candle to me. Jesus Christ. Donald Trump really is a trailblazer, though. You got to give him this much credit. You can argue with me all you want, but he is really doing stuff that I never thought I would see another president do. Now, his supporters are right. I never thought I would see the day where a sitting president of the United States would promise that during a debate with a potential opponent, he would administer a DNA test by means of sexual assault, a gentle sexual assault. And I know what you're saying right now. Oh, come on, Mike, settle down. It's just a joke. Don't be such a cuck, Lord. Don't be like some of these libtards. Yeah, I know. It's that old classic joke. President walks into a bar and rapes his debate opponent. Yeah, huge comedy. I got it. And I'm not offended by it or anything. It's just that Maybe we should raise the bar on the acceptable standard that we have for the president of the United States, the guy that has his fingers on the nukes. 
don't you think maybe we ought to be a little... Uh, then again, this is the guy that said he likes to grab women by the pussy. But even I'm a little bit surprised by this behavior. I thought nothing would surprise me that Donald Trump does. Even I'm a little bit surprised by this one. I'll admit it. And if this were just an isolated incident, you know what? Maybe you could write it off. Maybe you could say it's a really bad attempted humor or it's just whatever. You know, you could try and kind of pan it off. Maybe, maybe. But not only is this not an isolated case, as we all know, this isn't even an isolated incident within his campaign rally from last night. So let's switch from the pleasant topic of rape to besmirching the former president of the United States, George H.W. Bush. Donald Trump made fun of his thousand points of light speech. Of all the things of former President George H.W. Bush to make fun of, the thousand points of light, which was uh, basically uh, President Bush talking about how he wants volunteerism and people to come together as a unit and spread out like a thousand points of light across a peaceful sky, like a thousand stars in the sky. And it was actually one of the things that was maybe the least criticized about former President Bush. But, of course, leave it to Donald Trump to find a way to criticize even that. Here you go. Check this out. You know, all the rhetoric you see here, the thousand points of light. What the hell was that, by the way? Thousand points of light. What did that mean? Does anyone know? I know one thing. Make America great again, we understand. Putting America first. We understand. Thousand points of light. I never quite got that one. I'm trying to say, what the hell is that? Has anyone ever figured that one out? And it was put out by a Republican, wasn't it? Yeah, can you imagine a Republican giving a speech like that? Oh, yeah, especially a modern era Republican, a, a Republican within the last 10 years doing something like that. Yeah, you're right. That would be disgusting because you guys don't do that anymore. <laughs> not, not this Republican Party. Absolutely not. Can you imagine Donald Trump actually doing that? I want everybody to come together. Tremendous volunteerism. It's great when people extend their hands to help one another. It's great when everybody comes together as as human. I can't even do that impression. It just doesn't roll off my tongue properly. It doesn't even sound right. It doesn't even sound proper to even try and do that. Thousand points of light. Everybody coming together. People becoming one. Uniting Tremendous unification among mankind, world peace, happiness, togetherness. When someone is down, we help them up. <laughs> Donald Trump trying to do that. There's no way. That was a speech written by Peggy Noonan uh, back in the, what is that, the late 80s, I think? That, that, that speech. I can't remember when he did the thousand points. I, I remember as a kid, though, we talked about that in school. But how in the world could you be critical of that? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I remember. Of course, because Jeb Bush ran against you in 2016. Remember, low energy Jeb. And because of that, you hold a vendetta against the entire family. I get it. I understand now. And of course, let's not forget George H.W. Bush uh, was shot down in World War II. I prefer to be uh, around people that weren't shot down. I prefer people that actually did their job properly. Sorry, Donald. Not all of us could be a lettered athlete like you were in three sports, and then suddenly a couple of weeks later you get bone spurs and are mysteriously unable to serve your country. Yeah, what a what a real hero you are. 
Oh, and speaking of people that actually serve the country, John McCain, that's another person that Donald Trump mocked at this event last night. The same John McCain that's dying of cancer right now. Very classy, very classy of Donald Trump to do this. So there you go. That's And the Trump uh, supporters that were there and laughed at, at everything. And uh, the people that are on the right, it's weird the talking heads that are on the right that don't say anything about this. Like, okay, I get it. Maybe if you're like a Sean Hannity and you like to be just a giant shill for the Republican Party or whatever, or Rush Limbaugh. But wouldn't you say, you know, I've uh, supported Trump, but I don't agree with this statement. Or I, I think maybe he went a little bit too far with the Elizabeth Warren or the George H.W. Bush or the John McCain stuff. If you said that, maybe I'd have a modicum of respect for you. But these guys are out there spin this today or they're just staying silent about it. And I just think that's disgusting. See, we're already 32, almost 33 minutes into the show, and I have barely scratched the surface of the stuff I wanted to get into. Haven't even gone to the whole immigrant uh, children in cages situation yet. And I know you're probably sick of hearing about that. All I'm going to say about it are a couple of things real quick. First of all, it was just disgraceful. And I know the people are going to have their what about argument. What about the fact that uh, Obama did it? First of all, not nearly to the extent. Yes, there were immigrants uh, separated and children were detained. And I get it. And I get it. But when you have to go to the what about argument, it means you've got nothing. Who cares about what about? It's happening now. It's happening because Jeff Sessions instituted the zero tolerance policy. We separated children from their families. And watching the Trump supporters spin that was hilarious. This started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, just before Trump issued his executive order stopping the policy. So it was Monday. This was the on the 25th of June. The Trump supporters said, see, if they don't want to be brought in, if they, if they don't want to be uh, detained in cages, then don't come into this country illegally. Simple as that. Trump knows it. Great policy. He's doing something about illegal immigration. Then later in the week, Trump signs the executive order, which says, all right, we're going to stop the policy. And then the Trump supporters are like, see, he got rid of a bad law. It was a terrible law. See, that way, now he's a hero. Uh, the, the kids won't be in the cages anymore. It was a stupid law. It was terrible. That was a, an awful thing, and he did something about it. That was in the same week the the Trump supporters had to do a 180. Even they, I'm sure there was some sort of internal struggle with their two brain cells having the tug of war going, I can't believe it, but illegals are bad, mud people, but wait, but hold on, but now now he's letting them go, but I, but I don't know what to think. So I, I'm sure that that was what was going on with uh, the Trump support, but um, yeah, he did sign the executive order, yeah, he looked like a hero to somebody, I guess, but as of the time I'm recording this show, and as of the current information I have available on this policy... Do you know how many children, according to what I have read here, do you know how many children have been reunited with their families? Seven. There's some other various reports, but right now they have to do DNA testing, which I think is so funny that Donald Trump brought up DNA during that uh, uh, Great Falls, Montana rally the other night because they're having to do DNA testing on this ridiculous policy to try and reunite these children with their parents. And that's going to take a long time, as you may know. So the fact is, it's going to take 
uh, a considerable amount of time to reunite uh, these children with their parents, if they're even able to do that at all. Thanks a lot, Jeff Sessions, and thanks a lot to the U.S. government. And again, I know the roots of this start before the Trump administration, but he's pretty much the one that stepped on the accelerator and has ramped this all up. Um, But the reason that this went under the radar in the first place is because there's so much crap that comes out. It's a it's a fecal tsunami that comes from the White House on a daily basis that nobody even saw this Jeff Sessions policy being instituted back in April because there's just so much other stuff going on all the time. So how could you have possibly seen this? And then, you know, you don't see it until you do, as the old saying goes. You don't see it until the ramifications come to fruition. And there's lots of other Trump policies that are floating out in the wind right now, I'm sure, that we haven't even seen how they're going to impact us just yet. Just like this this stuff with the tariffs. And I know it's been kind of big news, but it's going to be a lot bigger news when people suddenly get the sticker shock. Oh, my God, the price of a car just went up $2,000 thanks to this. Ah, who cares? I know. The Trump guys, the Trump supporters are going to be all over that. This is... This is some kind of presidency that we've got going on here. <laughs> this is, it's never a dull moment. I'll give it that. You got to admit that there's there's never a day that goes by that goes, boy, man, you haven't heard from Trump today. I wonder what's going on. <laughs> Jesus. Hashtag things no one says. Uh, anyway, I got to take a break. Otherwise, this opening segment could be its own podcast. We'll be here until tomorrow. Um, there's still so much other stuff to get into, though. We've got more political stuff I could go through, uh, news. Um, hell, I could even talk about the World Cup. All oh, right, nobody gives a damn because for whatever reason, the United States isn't in it. And I know I'm going to get an explanation from soccer fans about this, but how do you have a tournament of all the countries in the world and for whatever reason, the United States is not a participant? And I don't think Italy is either. I'm sure it has to do with Trump in some way, which, I mean, I can understand that. That does make sense, but it's weird. I just decided not to have the World Cup this year. I I don't want to send the United States over to those shithole countries. That must be it. And I'm sure they'll just say, oh, well, you see, you don't understand. There was a secret tournament that we had, and that's why the U.S. isn't in it. Uh, Because, uh, you know, a a tournament that was not on television, I guess. We had a pre-World Cup World Cup. I really don't know what the reason is. Uh, we didn't invite Italy either, just for appearances sake. We didn't want to just leave you out. Is Canada in it? I don't even know. I did see Mexico was playing Germany last week sometime. We have a tournament called the World Cup, but not all the countries in the world are in it. Okay. And that's just reason number 4,952 that soccer sucks. And no one in the U.S. will have any interest in it. Oh, and uh, yeah, of course, the ratings are in the toilet. Don't tell that to ESPN, though. They they keep covering it on Sports Center, and they're, they're still talking about it. ESPN Radio, they just keep ramming it down our throats. Like, somehow, if they talk about it enough, we'll care about it. Hey, ESPN, no matter how much you talk about soccer, guess what? We don't care. Michael Graff Show. It's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. MichaelGraff.com.
the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Friday, July 6, 2018. Still stuck on this World Cup thing. I know people are saying, just look it up, figure it out, or they'll send me the information about it. But imagine if Major League Baseball ran it the same way. All right, uh, we've decided not to invite four teams to the 2019 season. The Tampa Bay Rays, the Miami Marlins, the San Diego Padres, and Baltimore Orioles. Sorry, guys, you're not invited. Well, why is that? Uh, Because you're terrible. Also because we're just going to randomly choose four teams that can't participate every year. But that doesn't seem like you're going to crown a true champion. Then. Well, you know, we'll see. I guess it's our loss. Whatever, buddy. All right, speaking of sports that people actually care about and actually watch, which means we're not going to be talking about soccer this segment, uh, Major League Baseball, they have a problem. Now, part of it is not a problem that I have with the game. Because I'm perfectly capable and have the attention span to sit down and watch a three-hour game. But apparently the younger generations, your Generation Z, your 20-something millennials, they're not able to do that. And with the nature of the game being what it is right now, it's hard to blame them. Because, and there's a great article about, at least part of this, by Bob Nightingale. This is from a couple of weeks ago. And he details some of the big problems that the game has right now. That The analytics have become such in baseball that teams know pretty much where every batter is going to hit the ball when they step to the plate, or at least a overwhelming majority of the time. And in a game where being successful means you get a hit 30% of the time, uh, if you're able to you know, significantly neutralize hitters, well, batting averages are going to be going down. That means balls in play are going to be going down. That means scoring is going to be going down. And that means excitement level at least for most people, is going to be going down. And, uh, for example, Bob Nightingale details that the Arizona Diamondbacks are a team with the worst batting average in all of baseball, and yet they're in first place. The Milwaukee Brewers are in first place, despite the fact that they've been shut out 10 times, and I think as of this writing now, it's up to 11 times. Uh, This is the first season in Major League Baseball where there will be more strikeouts than hits if current trends prevail. And now about 35% of all plate appearances end in one of these results, either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. Sports Illustrated has noted that they have figured out the average time between balls being put in play is now up to almost three and a half minutes. So there's a lot of dead time in baseball, a lot more than there used to be. And I've, I've always kind of liked the pace of baseball through the years. I, you know, it's a thinking man's game. I really I appreciate it. Um, I think it's, it's cool strategy, pitcher, batter, and all that. The problem is it has gotten to a point where every team has pitchers that throw 100 miles an hour now. Uh, strikeouts continue to rise because of it, because of the analytics, um, and uh, honestly, I, I think there's there's some fundamental issues that are probably out there in the minors too. But it's just a, a, a cascading effect on baseball that has led to lower ratings, lower attendance. And you can't dispute the fact that since scoring is down, people like scoring in any sport. Scoring is down, and combine that with the game length. And even though they've tried to institute measures to speed up the the uh, time of play, the pace of play, it has not worked out necessarily. Um, so they're thinking about doing all sorts of radical things to change the game of baseball, uh, including but not limited to 
eliminating the infield shift, making it so that players only can move um, as a ball is being pitched. Um, maybe there's that. That's a possibility. Uh, instituting the designated hitter in the National League, that's something that's going to happen. And baseball purists, I'm sorry to tell you this, but that's something that's going to happen probably within the next few years. Could even be, who knows, a couple of seasons from now. I know there's probably something that has to be worked out in the collective bargaining agreement with that, but who knows? Uh, Rob Manfred is certainly a pretty aggressive guy at making some changes to the game. And there's other changes, too. They might, they, I don't know, they could lower the mound. I don't know. That's something that's possible. Um, although I think if you put the designated hitter in the National League, it just means that games are going to be longer. National League games are going to be longer. I don't know. It's hard to say. I've seen them talk about uh, other crazy things like uh, if games go into extra innings, just put a runner on second base at the at, you know at the start of every inning. Uh, you know, all sorts of silly things. That that stuff I don't like. I don't like those kind of rule changes. That's just dumb. For me, the beauty of baseball is that comebacks are possible regardless of the circumstance. I watched the Seattle Mariners come back from being down, what was it, 14-1 to against the Indians back in 2001. I mean, just an insane comeback, the biggest comeback in baseball history as far as I know. And that was crazy. If there was a clock in baseball, it probably couldn't happen. So, And there's going to be other changes in, in sports everywhere because... Uh, they're noticing that younger people, um, that shorter attention span, that need for constant entertainment, uh, that's going to play into how sports are controlled over the next uh, 10, 20 years and how rules are changed. The NBA is going to do it. They're going to do something about all the fouling at the end of games, which is something that people have really been screaming about for well, as long as I've been alive, I think. Oh, and speaking of the NBA... The Los Angeles Lakers, they get the services of LeBron James. He didn't do a, a giant TV production this time. He didn't do the Decision 2 electric boogaloo. However, he is now a Los Angeles Laker, cashing in on a $153 million contract. Obviously, he's chasing the money, the endorsements, and the fame. Because if he was really after championships at this point, even though he's been to the NBA Finals eight straight years, that streak's coming to an end this year. But if he really was interested in chasing championships, he would have gone to Philadelphia or Boston. Or he would have just gone to the Golden State Warriors, which is what everybody else is doing. For example, DeMarcus Cousins signed a deal with the Golden State Warriors. Oh, yes, just another guy that averages 26 points a game. If the Golden State Warriors wanted to, they could go 82-0 next season. If they wanted to. Now, they're going to rest players. They're going to do what you know every NBA team does nowadays. And that's rest star players frequently during the regular season. Because the regular season in the NBA is a joke. It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, nobody takes it seriously. And so the Warriors will probably... They might not even get a number one seed. They should. If they wanted to, it's theirs. But I will just go ahead and congratulate the Warriors on winning the 2018-2019 NBA season. They are world champions again. I'm declaring that right now here on July 6, 2018. I'm already uh, telling you the Warriors win next season. There's really, there's no drama. There's no suspense here. And this is the problem with the NBA. It is so top-heavy that if you're a fan of 27 of the 30 NBA teams, there's no point in you watching. 
yeah, Boston or Philadelphia will come out of the East and they'll go to the NBA Finals and they'll be the sacrificial lamb to the Warriors. The Lakers aren't going to beat the Warriors. The Rockets aren't going to beat the Warriors. No team in the Western Conference is going to do that. So it's going to be the Warriors and either Boston or Philadelphia. And that's it. And if you're a fan of any other team, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Indiana Pacers, the Utah Jazz, San Antonio, Dallas. Yeah, you know, your team, you're, you're going to just, you're going to what do whatever. Well, not Dallas. Dallas isn't going to win anything. But you're going to go to the uh, playoffs. You know, Utah will go to the playoffs next year. San Antonio will go to the playoffs. Indiana, Milwaukee, Toronto. What difference does it make? It's not like you're going to be able to win your conference. It's not like you're going to be able to... Uh, go to the finals. It's not like you're going to be able to beat the Warriors. So what's the point? They've assembled a super team. They've assembled the best team possible. And Commissioner Adam Silver probably should step in and do something. I don't know what he could do. I don't know how they could stop it. I don't know what they could do to discourage it other than actually having a salary cap that matters. The NBA salary cap, this is another big joke. They have a salary cap, but it's one of those that, oh, if you go over the cap, We'll let you do it, but you have to pay a luxury tax. You have to pay a dollar-for-dollar luxury tax or something. So what? You know, these teams like the Lakers that have pretty much infinite money, do you think they care about that stuff? So there's no incentive, really, for some of these teams to do anything. Just like in Major League Baseball, there's no incentive for some teams to win. The Miami Marlins, uh, they're running out a double-A squad every day. But they get revenue sharing from the teams that actually are making money in this league. They get revenue sharing from the New York Yankees. The NBA has a big problem. Major League Baseball is a big problem. Obviously, we know what's wrong with the NFL. We know that they have an image issue. And their ratings, you know, they went down last season. And they've been steadily in decline over the last few seasons. It's not just about the National Anthem stuff. It's about the quality of play, too. That's been going down for a while. And, of course, the NFL... Remember a few seasons ago when the NFL was talking about expanding the regular season to 18 games? And, I mean, if there haven't been just an overwhelming number of signs telling them, here, this is why you shouldn't do that. Injuries, all-time high, the concussion protocol situation, the fact that uh, by the time the Super Bowl comes around, these players are worn out, and the quality of play in the Super Bowl is uh, anything but stellar. And so, if anything, they need to shrink the size of the regular season. Major League Baseball needs to do that, too, if you want to add intrigue. But I don't think that's going to happen. So these are the problems with sports. And, of course, the NHL's biggest problem is that an expansion team uh, rolled in and went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, they didn't win, but they did something that no other team in any sport has ever done. And I know people thought that was great, and it is great for the city of Las Vegas. Las Vegas was the real winner in that one. Um, They benefited quite nicely. And incidentally... If you bet on the Las Vegas Golden Knights at the start of last season to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, not even win it, just go there, that was a 500-to-1 bet. So $100 would have netted you fifty grand. That's a pretty solid return on investment right there. All right, now this is pretty funny. Have you heard about this guy, Mark Harris? He's a Republican running in North Carolina's 9th Congressional District. And back in 2013, he was a pastor at the First Baptist Church of Charlotte. And he had some pretty interesting comments about women and their place in the home, among other things. Uh, And he refers to them as helpers. 
And you know what? Why don't we just let Mr. Harris tell you exactly how he feels? This is uh, from his sermon back in 2013. And again, I remind you, this guy is running for Congress as in in November. You can go ahead and cast your vote for this guy if this convinces you. Here you go. There's only one word or one title, I should say, that is given to a man in all of Scripture. Did you know that? Only one title given to a man. Only one title given to a woman. The title in all of Scripture, only one title given to a man is head. The title given to a woman is helper. If I were to define the word helper for you today, I would define it as the servant lover. Oh, great. He also says that he doesn't think it's good for society for women to go out and pursue careers. He says that, you know, now we're we're teaching women that they should be, uh, from the time that they're in elementary school and beyond, that women should aspire to have a career. And that's not necessarily a good thing for society. So servant lover and helper and stay at home, do the dishes. That's pretty much what he said. So I'm not really putting words in his mouth. Yeah, he didn't say do the dishes, but he basically just said stay at home. And they are a servant lover. They are a helper. So women, you're a helper, according to Mark Harris. And that should encourage you to go out and vote for this guy. That's, well, that's great. And I thought our Senate race here in Arizona was going to be a zoo. That's got to be fun. Yeah, we have the choice for Senate here between... Right now, if you're in the primary, okay, the Republican primary, we have former Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Oh, boy. We've got Dr. Kelly Ward, and we've got Martha McSally, who will let you know every five seconds that she was a fighter pilot and that, as she says, has the ovaries to go to Washington and get done what needs to get done. And then on the Democrat side, you've got Kirsten Sinema, who actually is a really moderate Democrat. Moderate Democrat, but, you know, she is openly bisexual, and therefore... Uh, this state means that she probably doesn't have much of a chance. Now, she she is our current representative in the House, um, at least in my district, but she uh, I don't know if she has a chance to win in a Senate race. But against those clowns, against former Sheriff Joe, Kelly Ward, who's a nut, and, and Martha McSally, who's, uh, who's a blowhard conservative... But she's like one of these, I'm going to stand with Trump and I'm a fighter pilot. Hey, has it, it's been five seconds. Have you mentioned that you're a fighter pilot? Why, yes, I was a fighter pilot. I'm going to go to Washington because I've got the ovaries to get done what needs to get done. Okay. Settle it down. Dial it down. Ugh. She's another yeller. You know, just like I, I hated Hillary Clinton because of that yelling. I don't want You know, that whole thing. It's the same deal with with this Martha McSally. She doesn't have quite the piercing voice that Hillary did, but she's got like this. It's just it's it's this blowhard thing that conservatives, uh, especially in this state, seem to have. Like every one of them, that their jowls get rattling when they talk, you know, and they just get riled up, and they want to let you know just how tough they are. That's one of the things that it, it seems to be. 
Sheriff Joe. I'm America's toughest sheriff. When I was the sheriff, ever. And he always talks like he's like a kid throwing the temper tantrum. I, when I was the sheriff, I went after these illegals and I put them in a tent city and I wouldn't tolerate it. And I took DUIs. I gave Arizona the toughest DUI laws in the country. And then Kelly Ward's just crazy. So that's that's your choice for Senate here in Arizona. Good luck with that. Sure hate to live there. Oh, wait. I do live there. And I don't know who I'm going to vote for in that. Probably. And I know this is shocking, and this generally goes against my principles, but I'm probably going to wind up voting for the Democrat here. I'm going to probably wind up voting for Kirsten Cinema because at least the one thing that I can say about her that's very positive is she's moderate, she's very common sense, very approachable, uh, listens to people and is not, she's not way out there on the far left, despite what the people in this state tell you, because anything that's not completely Trump conservative is on the far left in this state. So remember, this is a state that thought that uh, when it comes to pregnancy, pregnancy for a woman begins when she ovulates. That's what lawmakers in this state thought. So you have to understand, that's where the lawmakers in this state generally come from. So that's why uh, it's hard for me to ever vote for any conservative in the state of Arizona because they are, they're just, they're way out there. They are way out there. It's going to be interesting to see how the Republican primary in this state shakes out. Although it can't be any worse than the one going on in Illinois where you have a legit Nazi, a real Nazi, not something that we're just calling him, not a name that's just being bandied about, not some talking point, but a real bona fide, like Third Reich dude sort of uh, running in Illinois. A guy so bad that even Ted Cruz says to vote for the Democrat. Now, you know, you know, if Ted Cruz is telling you to do that, you know that the guy is sleazy. He's a scum. So there's that. All right, we got to go to break. And as we do, oh, I was going to mention this too, Elvis Costello. See that news. Man, uh, musicians are just dropping like flies. Now, Elvis Costello, he's still uh, currently alive, but um, cancer, man, that's, that's pretty rough. So I guess we could do an Elvis Costello bumper. Going to the break. Not real familiar with uh, Elvis Costello. This is not one of those things where, um, you know, I'm, I know a lot of his hits. I know a few. Back in the uh, days when we were doing the station here, when we were running the music, play it all the tunes, uh, people would request this on the 80s flashback, the 80s lunch and all that stuff. So, All right, so we'll take a break. Come back. I still have a lot to get to. Got to do the song of the day. Got to do some other weird... Man, there's... <laughs> Chris Brown's at it again. Yep, beating up people. This time he's not beating up women. He's beating up photographers. All right, we'll get to that and much more. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Friday. You wake from your dream with a wolf at the door, reaching out for Veronica. Well, it was all the 65 years ago, when the world was the street where she lived. And a young man sailed on a ship in the sea with a picture of Veronica.
Michael Groff Show on a Friday, July 6th, 2018. Groffshow at gmail.com, email and PayPal address. Michael Groff on Twitter, the Michael Groff Show on Facebook, and everything else Michael Groff related. It is the one and only michaelgroff.com. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly event that is customer gets poor service and or bad food at a fast food restaurant and calls the police. This time the story comes from Hamilton, Ontario. That's in Canada for you geography majors. And apparently the guy was uh, irate with some of the staff at this McDonald's because he was served a cold burger and fries. He then proceeded to call 911. Hamilton police responded. Quote, he was extremely upset, Hamilton police spokesperson Jackie Penman said. There was a there was communication between the officers and the individual. They brought him to the, an understanding that it was not a police matter. I'm not sure when people are going to get that. But then again, if you've had some of the bad fast food experiences that I've had relatively recently, then maybe you'd... I'm surprised nobody called the police on me. <laughs> I'm actually usually really cool when they screw up the order or something. I try to keep it real cool because I don't want my food to get screwed with. But if I know I'm going to leave... And office. I'll figure out, I'll find the CEO or the VP's number of the establishment and um, I will let them know my dissatisfaction. And usually things get resolved. All right. I kind of want to do the pop chart segment, but I, I think I'm going to table that for next time. And yes, we will be back next week. But I know that people always say I'm hating on music, especially current music, which is sort of true, obviously, because, you know, we have things like the 20 worst songs of 2017. I do a regular feature called the worst song of the day. Instead, this go around. Yes, it's a kinder, gentler me. It's time for the song of the day. The zip code famous Michael Groff show. Song of the day. And we're going to highlight something positive. New music that's actually good stuff. And this is the latest from Ghost. Now, this came out about a month ago. And it's kind of got that retro sort of 80s feel to it. This is called Rats. Really cool stuff. It's right here on the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show, the song of the day.
That's Ghost and their latest called Rats. And yes, that would be the zip code famous Michael Grav Show song of the day. And from one feature, we very smoothly transition into yet another. Who gives a fuck? It's the news that the media wastes valuable newsprint megabytes and airtime reporting. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? And the only question we're left asking is, who gives a fuck? Yeah, it's my ongoing effort to expand the horizons of you, the home audience, by providing you with stories that I may not necessarily care about. And quite honestly, most of you are saying, Jesus Christ, Mike, I can't even be bothered to summon the tiniest shred of care about any of this stuff. But yet, obviously, a lot of people do care about this because it's a ubiquitous part of the culture. It's making headlines all over the net, all over the world. So clearly people do care, so we put it in this segment right here. And, well, nothing exemplifies that more than this story right here. Ariel Winter says that, uh, I hope you're sitting down for this, she says that she is going to stop tweeting. Uh, Who is Ariel Winter, you might ask? Well, you uneducated rubes, how could you not possibly know that? She's, uh, uh, she is, uh, hold on, let me just use the Google here. Oh, she's the star, one of the stars of Modern Family, you idiots. How could you not know that? (laughs) Yeah. um, Quote, Ariel has taken a break from Twitter and engaging with commentators on her other platforms because of the constant negativity that she experiences. The actress rep told U.S. Weekly in a statement, quote, she needs a moment to breathe and enjoy herself without judgment. She's 20 years old. If she doesn't want to be walking around with negativity, scrutiny, and judgment, she shouldn't be on TV in the first place. That'd be like me taking extended hiatuses from this show because I'm tired of all the judgment and negativity. But that's not the reason that I take hiatuses. That has nothing to do with it at all. In fact, if I had more scrutiny and judgment, if I had more people that were that engaging, I'd probably be doing this more. I feed off of hate. I always have. Trust me, when I used to do the the live show, I used to get so much uh, negativity. At least 25% of all the emails and all the calls and the correspondence I would get would be hate-filled. It would just be people wishing cancer on me, uh, talking about how my dad should commit harakiri because of having such a loser, failure, and a pathetic son such as myself. Oh, I get that kind of stuff all the time. And then, you know, less less hate-filled. Just kind of like low-grade hate. But, I mean, that was like the worst stuff. I mean, if you do this... And, and I'm just... I'm a nobody, okay? This is somebody that's on a hit TV show. I mean, I've never seen an episode, but apparently it's a hit TV show because it's been on for, oh my God, like a million seasons. So, if you're on a hit TV show like that and you can't take some criticism... And I I can't imagine that somebody on a TV show like that is getting that much hate. It's not like it's a controversial show. It's not like... um, I don't even know if there's a controversial show on right now. Other than some of the reality shows. Speaking of, I, I see that Big Brother is celebrating its 20th anniversary. Another show I've... 
Well, I can't say I've never seen an episode. I saw like the very first Big Brother, and I was like, oh, this is a show I don't have to worry about watching ever. And I have not watched an episode since. I don't watch a lot of TV as it is, but reality TV is just one of those things I go, oh, this is still on, really? Yikes. All right, other stuff going on. Chris Brown has been arrested uh, again. Just moments after finishing a concert in Florida, Brown, who had been performing at the Coral Sky Amphitheater in West Palm Beach, was detained by officers who were, quote, waiting in the wings for him. He was booked into the Palm uh, Palm Beach County Jail late on Thursday night. Brown was wanted on a felony battery warrant from the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office. The battery warrant dates back to April 2017 when Tampa police alleged that he punched a photographer during an appearance at a club. So apparently Chris Brown has graduated from beating on women to beating on photographers. Still people in prone positions. Uh, what a real man. All right, actor and outspoken conservative James Woods appears to be looking for new representation. Woods, whose notable films include Videodrome, Casino, and Disney's Hercules, has become a Twitter icon among conservatives for his political commentary and politically incorrect humor. For example, Woods trolled Senator Elizabeth Warren over a remark that was aimed at President Donald Trump. However... One person seems to have had enough, and that's his talent agent, Ken Kaplan. In an email with the subject, well, sent to Woods, uh, which he published on his Twitter account, by the way. He, uh, he, the talent agent, says the following, quote, It's the 4th of July, and I'm feeling patriotic. I don't want to represent you anymore. I mean, I can go on a rant, but you know what I'd say. Woods noted in the tweet that his agent was a political liberal. He shared his response to Kaplan as well. The Emmy-winning actor who was featured in the Showtime series Ray Donovan and has landed several voice acting gigs, including Family Guy, whoo, piece of candy, uh, says that, um, that he's disappointed. Obviously, but he wishes his talent agent well. And uh, the this article notes that it's very difficult for conservatives to maintain a long career in Hollywood these days. Hey, you think the political climate probably not going so well there? And a 2007 video of Andy Dick and Ivanka Trump has resurfaced online. And it's one of those hashtag me too moments. Well, kind of one in which while on the air on the Jimmy Kimmel live show, Andy Dick apparently becomes a little bit infatuated with the glitter on Ivanka Trump's legs and begins rubbing on them to the point where he has to be escorted off the show. Now, some say it's a bit, some say it's not, but Ivanka Trump slams uh, slaps Andy Dick's hand away and Kimmel is forced to get up and make the actor keep his hands to himself. Quote, Andy, please don't, Kimmel says. Donald Trump will kill both of us. Kimmel said later in the show that Dick had to be dragged off set. And um, that 
he describes Andy Dick as being a little out of it. A little out of it. That's like sober for him. And the Nathan's hot dog eating contest took place on the 4th of July. And oh, here's a surprise. Joey Chestnut was the winner. He ate 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. This guy threw down 74 dogs. Initially, uh, they believed that he won with only 64 hot dogs, but they forgot to count a plate. He ate them so fast that they apparently missed an entire plate that he threw down. And So, yes, yeah, 74. That breaks his own world record and obviously establishes a grotesque record that only somebody like that can hold down. How do you eat... 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. How do you, how would you eat 14 hot dogs in 10 minutes? If you gave me, I, I ate three hot dogs the other day. And I, it was weird because I was thinking about that contest and I, I had them on a bun and I was just, you know, eating them normally. And it took me about, I don't know, three or four minutes. I wasn't eating as fast as I possibly could, but I figured if I ate these as fast, fast as I possibly could. If I just went to town on these, I might be able to eat three hot dogs in maybe maybe a minute, maybe 90 seconds. Because I'm a normal person. I'm not absolutely insane. I guess that's probably why. Now, if it was a shrimp eating contest or something like that, French fry eating contest, I could probably win on that one. I don't think that Sizzler in Flagstaff has ever recovered from the all-you-can-eat of 18-year-old Mike and his friend. We had 12 plates of shrimp. My mom was embarrassed and made us leave. It really was a scene right out of the Simpsons all-you-can-eat episode. It was classic. All right, Teresa Caputo. She's the Long Island medium. She uh, didn't see this one coming, apparently. She's filing for divorce from her husband of 28 years. The 51-year-old reality TV mystic brought the Nassau County Supreme Court case against her husband, Larry Caputo, 61, in April. She's hired prominent Long Island divorce attorney Stephen Gassman, who has represented former uh, Senator Al D'Amato in his bitter, bitter split with his wife, Keturia Smith. So uh, they announced in December that they were separated, quote, we will always love each other and our two wonderful children. We were united in supporting each other and our family. Okay, well, apparently you're not because she's getting the prominent attorney because she wants to hang on to that Long Island medium money. Let's see. The TLC star is worth a reported $3 million. That seems low. I'm actually, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Part of me is actually encouraged that she's only worth $3 million. It gives me a little bit of hope for society. On the other hand, she's worth $3 million, which means that she's pulled a lot of scams to get that. And before we go any further, yes, the Long Island medium, a complete scam, a complete hustle. Anybody that believes in that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you believe in it. Let me pull back the curtain on how it works. First of all, when you go to those big concert halls or those 
those places where she does those readings, they get your information beforehand. You know, they have your credit card information. You know, you fill out stuff. They do background checks on people that they think are interesting. They get some minimal information. And then, to her credit, she does do what's called a cold read on somebody. You know, she has your basic information. She knows a little bit about you. And then she she asks very general, very broad-based questions and then looks at you very carefully and gauges your reactions. Called a cold read. Anybody that's taken a communication class in college knows all about it. I could probably cold read people. I mean, just watch some of those specials. Uh, there was a stand-up comedian that did this. With, you know... Not great accuracy, but accuracy in the sense that he asked general questions, which he got yes responses to, and, you know, basically did the same thing that the Long Island Medium does and any of these other people. Of all the supernatural and paranormal scams out there, I have to tell you that mediums, the people that talk to the dead, that's got to be the lowest of the low. These are people that take advantage of someone that has recently lost a loved one and exploit that. And I know you can say, well, it's it's their fault for being stupid enough to fall for a scam. You should know that there's no such thing as people that can talk to the... Of course, I understand that and I, I get it, but it's still taking advantage of someone that's in a vulnerable state. Because you claim that you have superpowers and that you're able to talk to the dead and, you know... And I have long since believed that there should be a law that says, oh, no, you can be a medium, you can take people's money, but you have to wear a shirt that says, this is for entertainment purposes only, there's no such thing as ghosts, there's no such thing as talking to the dead, doesn't exist. And that you have to sign a form before you willingly participate in this that says... I am aware of the fact that there is no such thing as people with superpowers that can talk to the dead. There's no such thing as a medium. There's no such thing as ghosts. Science has proven it. Every time they have tried to have these mediums or these people that claim that they have telekinesis or psychics or any of these people on TV shows through the decades... Every time they've tried a scientific trial, it has always failed. All right, you claim you have telekinesis. Let's see you turn the page of this book without touching it. And then every time that you try to corner these people and the people that defend them, and I have friends that do it, and and believe I, I love I love my friends, I, I love even my family members that believe in this stuff. I really do. But we do go round and round on this because I, I just can't believe that anybody is gullible enough to fall for this stuff. The people that defend these mediums and psychics and all this stuff, they're always a big trip to me, too. Well, you don't understand, Mike. It doesn't work like that. You can't just call it on demand and the power just comes to you like that. Oh, well, I don't know. It seems to work like that because the Long Island medium does just that. She has these venues where she, at random, calls people up on stage. They get up there. And she does a reading for them. Uh, it seems like she's able to call upon it whenever she wants. Just like the telephone psychics. They're able to call upon it whatever they, whenever they want. Hi, John. How are you today? I'm good. 
So what does my future look like? Uh, hold on. Let's... Uh, you have a very bright future. Keep the sucker on the phone longer. Okay. Um, I see a very, uh, pro prosperous love life in your future. Wow, it's like she knows me. What a convenient excuse, though. Uh, they can't do it on demand just because that's what you want them to do. Really? You know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to pull that scam, except I I'm going to do it on the dating scene. Ladies, uh, I have a 12-inch penis. Really? Yeah. Let me see it. Well, it doesn't work like that. Uh, it doesn't just show up on demand just because I want it to. That's not how it works. Just because you want it to show up whenever, it doesn't work like that. It just will show up when it's when it's time, when it's right. You have to have faith in my 12-inch penis. Oh, okay. Ladies, I'm really worth uh, $10 million. Oh, really? Well, yeah, it's just that it... My bank account doesn't show it on demand like that. It, You know, you just have to wait for it. What a silly... Of course that's a convenient thing to say. It doesn't work like that. Just like the religious people will tell you the same thing. I always say, well, if God exists, why doesn't he just show up? Why doesn't he just, like, appear? If he is, he is the most powerful being in the universe and can do whatever he wants whenever he wants, correct? Well, yes. Then why doesn't he just appear right behind me right now? Well, I'm doing this show. Why doesn't he just show up right in front of me and go, hey, Bob, hey, hey, Mike, what's up? It's God here. Yeah? Yeah, it's God. Uh, just want to let you know I'm, I'm real. Here, let me just levitate in front of you. Uh, no, you kind of had me at materializing in front of me. Just beaming in like it's Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, well, just letting you know I'm, I'm here and I'm real. And uh, go ahead and you can just believe in me now. All right. Cool. Done. Like, if he's really the master of of all domains, if he is really in control of, of everything, if he is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, then that wouldn't be a problem for him to do that. Like, he could just show up and he could just... He could do that. Not, and he'd make a believer out of me. And what's... Well, that takes time. What's time to God? I mean, it wouldn't even... He wouldn't even be a blink of an eye, you know, to someone with infinite power. But I know it's always the convenient excuse. Well, it doesn't work like that. All right. Well, then it doesn't work. Then it's not real. Like, for example, uh, you know, you can prove, uh, gee, uh, I can light this paper on fire. Really? You can? Well, yes. All I have to do is I put this match up to this piece of paper and it burns. Oh. You don't have to believe in anything. It just happens. It's it's an actual, tangible, physical thing that, that happens. It requires nothing but hard evidence. It's right there in front of you. There it is. Goodness. Mediums. Telling you, I really think there should just be a law that says you have to sign a, a form that says this is not real. You understand it's not real. There's no such thing as superpowers and ghosts and dead people. I mean, there, there is such a thing as dead people, but you can't talk to them. Ah, oh, man. All right. That's that's enough about her. Three million dollars. I'm I'm sure that she is worth more than that. By the way, she's been doing that show for what? 
10, 15 years. She's been around for a long time. She does those events where she has all those people that she gets in there and suckers them out of a whole bunch of money. I mean, it costs some serious dough to go and appear uh, with the Long Island Medium. That costs a lot of money. So I, I can't imagine a scenario in which she has only $3 million. And she's probably hiding some of that money from her soon-to-be ex-husband. He's going to need a medium to find the missing money. I sense the money is in an offshore account. That's like you know me! Yeah. Doesn't really take a medium for that. I could do a cold read on that one. All right. God. And I know I'm going to get an email about it, and I know my friends are going to be pissed off with me, the people that I know that believe in this stuff. And again, it's... It's just I'm trying, I'm trying to educate here, folks. I'm just trying to help out. I'm trying to pull back the curtain on something that is... It just really makes me upset when I see people exploited. And yeah, they're look, I get it. They're kind of dumb people and maybe they deserve to be exploited. But I'm a champion for the weak, the powerless, the helpless. I'm your superhero. The only person with superpowers here is me. I have the power to see through bullcrap. I may be blind. My, my eyes may be blind, but my mind has the power to pierce through the bullcrap. All right, groffshow at gmail.com. That's our email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal for your generous contributions to this program. Sure. Michael Groff on Twitter, The Michael Groff Show on Facebook, and for everything else Michael Groff related, you can always go to the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can listen to this and previous editions of this program. And who knows, maybe more stuff coming real soon. All right, that's it. We'll be back here next week. I do promise we'll have another show. I have so much other stuff to get to. This list didn't even, didn't even scratch it. So much other stuff going on. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Thanks, as always, for listening. Really do appreciate it. Even if you're a big supporter of mediums, I especially want you here. Because I can't talk to you when you're dead. I'm sorry. You, you just can't. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.